Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who can really help you out if you need sounds made from someone's mouth as long as they are farts, the Macho Man Drew. Andrew Lano, and you are selling my impression reel very short. I, I, I am. How dare you? You are no Michael Winslow. Uh, and joining well, no. us joining us uh, on this February to kick off uh, February. I think this is the fourth February, right? It was a yeah, double it is. four. Golden February. Exactly. The golden February uh, is the host of the Cynical Cartoons podcast, which we will be guests on. On Valentine's Day. Yeah. Look look for it, Cynical Cartoons. Uh, we are on talking about a tie into this show. But we're here today with the host of Cynical Cartoons, Tyler Marchant. You just heard him there. Hey guys, how's it going? I mean let's let's pretend like we didn't talk for like ten minutes. Yeah, before no, the yeah, show. let's do that. Yes. We should This is the first time we've spoken. Yes, yes. Uh, and we are kicking off February with Police Academy Four Citizens on Patrol. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the eighties. It's your ordinary citizens. Some guy be not about your ordinary citizens. When the mega powers explode, I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott, cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. This is the the kickoff for February is, as always, a month where we slog through the worst sequels. This is the part four of Police Academy. It's it's the real middle of a franchise, because I feel like when you hit, like, seven and eight, you're like, put him in space and make his face metal. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. right? And then, like, sure, I'll watch that. Or, like, uh, now it's on the internet, I guess. But the fours are where they just stopped caring. Right. I know that there's a lot of like actual you know like twos that are better than ones and like sometimes there's a three that's like the best of the series you know like arguably die hard like nightmare on elm street have you guys found a four where you're like this is incredible like this no best ever <laughs> um there are some that we've covered that i would recommend to people like there's there's a uh, friday the 13th part four actually no friday the 13th part four is my favorite friday the 13th movie but I, I like that that's the one where he eats him as a like a pizza meatball right no, that's like Nightmare on Elm Street 4, but that is the correct Nightmare oh, on Elm that's... Street. Yes, yes. Uh, right, that okay. is the correct one. That is a fun one, too. We had a lot of fun with that. We did all slasher movies mm-hmm. last year. Um, but Friday the 13th Part 4 is my favorite of those movies at all. It's like the perfect Jason movie where he's just like killing somebody every 10 minutes, and it's it's unusual deaths and, and stuff like that. Uh, right. So, yeah. That, is, that's the one with the uh, harpoon gun, right? Yes. Or is it the 3D one? And also the corkscrew in the hand. Yes, I, I yes. would think that the third one is probably the 3D one because you've got that <laughs> obvious part. 3D. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get into this again. We've used this many times, but this is not quite a movie so much as it's a collection of scenes that are under one title. Yeah, my final note was that was it. Not that I wanted more, <laughs> but like, what happened? Yeah, exactly. We open with a theme song that's, like, tailored to the movie. It's not just a song that happens to coincide, which we don't do anymore. And part of me misses it, but also part of me doesn't. I, I kind of prefer the, the the credits theme song, you know, like the Will Smith raps at the end of all of his movies in the 90s and things like that. Like, that was really nice. Yeah. 
Wild yeah. Wild West. Yeah, yeah, I'm always down with an outro outro rap song. The Monster Squad has a great one. This is actually by the Fat Boys, who had like a very brief moment in the '80s where they were hot, hot, hot stuff. Uh, right. Not 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 a lasting rap group. There's no uh, <laughs> there, there's no entry in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for this one. But uh, we go right from that to the Goot and Michael Winslow driving a car. Yes, and it's like very long to get to the point. <laughs> It's like we already we start the movie and we're already in the territory of like, God, we have to do like a whole features worth of this stuff. What are we going to do <laughs> now? I, I will like, say this is the first in the police academy franchise that I've seen. I had never seen any of one through three, five through twelve or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, has it has Same it here. always been this? Has it like degraded to this point or has the series always been exactly what it is in this movie? So I've seen the first Police Academy at least a couple of times. It was one of those, it's on Comedy Central heavy rotation movies uh, back in the 90s when, when Comedy Central was kind of fledgling. And I remember it being very gag oriented. There's a lot of like slapstick and a lot of Michael Winslow doing stupid sounds and stuff. Like I have a vivid memory of him doing one where he made a guy's shoe squeaky. And so this guy's trying to like walk away and it's like, or something like that. Um, but they've never been like, intelligent you know highbrow comedy they've always been pretty dumb my problem with this might have been not been a problem in the first one but like it seems like it hangs out in a crazy world as opposed to like firmly living there like a mel brooks movie or airplane or clue that's like no this is the crazy world and it's always crazy as opposed to just sort of like we're here sometimes we guess you want rules for zaniness as opposed to occasional toe dips in the water of zaniness. Yes. Like, show, tell me what's going to happen and I'll follow you there. But yeah. Right. And I will say first uh, need to publicly apologize to Tyler for making us well, at least uh, suggesting police Academy as a, as a universe that a person might want to wade into. <laughs> and then uh, also really glad that I caught you when uh, you were watching this, we, we had some miscommunications in, on our recording and you were like, I don't have time to watch four police Academy movies. And I was like, Oh my God, please don't watch four movies for this podcast. <laughs> like that would be the worst thing I've right. ever done to another human being. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Would have been like a waking nightmare to have to watch all four of them, I think. I, I don't know. I mean, they're... they're yes. It's, the weird thing about this is that it feels like it feels like the fourth entry in like a snobs versus slobs franchise. Like, it feels like in the beginning they were like, the underdogs you were supposed to like because they're fun and they like to party and stuff. And then now they're all just like old and lame, but they're still like, oh, we're, we're like still anti-establishment. We like to party and stuff. Yes. And it's like, oh, this is kind of sad. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And the real bummer is they made three more of these, and there's every like every couple years or so it pops up. They're like, "Ooh, Police Academy 8. Like, who wants that? Who is that movie for? Like a reboot or like a continuation of the franchise with all the same characters? I have read it in both ways, where it's like, "Oh, Gutenberg will be back, and now he's like the chief of police," and then like Michael Winslow's tucked in there, and it's like, "No, right. that's that. Let this die where it died I, already." I it's would like watch Disney it Channel if, if, Adventures in Babysitting. Right. Yes. I, I would watch that show or movie or whatever it would be if they're all co-captains. That's what I want. I want eight co-captains oh. and they all have to work together. <laughs> and they've got so many recruits that they have to deal with. And it's like a bunch of David Spades running around. It'd be great. I would I would be wholeheartedly in for that as well, I think. Everyone can... I mean, full... Okay, pause that. But it's like, oh, everyone can become a police officer. Now everyone can be the captain. Like, that just feels like the logical progression. 
<laughs> but okay, yeah, real yeah. quick about that concept. Can't anyone already apply to be a police officer? Like to go to the? Isn't that a thing that anyone yes. can do? That anyways. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, it's now harder to become a cop without a degree, but you can certainly apply. Like they're just That's jobs. What... They're not. There's no. Right. <laughs> there's no secret code. I believe the idea in this movie was that cops are too qualified. We need less qualified cops. So let's just like push people, you know, fast track them into having the gun and the badge. Yeah, it was like the internship. It's also, (laughs) it also doesn't make any sense because the most logical version of this is, oh, it's like a citizen's training academy. It teaches people how to, you know, look out for crimes. But the end result would be you call 911 and then you've also like taken down a license plate and have some information you know to help them right. instead of like all right grab your gun and go running in there because why not you're a full-fledged police officer now except you're an 80 year old woman it's like the worst version of body cams yes <laughs> well i guess that the lesson that we're learning then is just that you know police responsibility doesn't make for a great comedy like just a bunch of responsible <laughs> cops would not be like a great comedy. They always have nor to does like it a... make a great drama though. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. The responsible policeman coming this you know, fall wait, to CBS. I, I may be wrong. I mean, Alex Murphy, RoboCop, was pretty responsible. He was a good dude. So yeah, yeah, you know. he absolutely played only by the rules and by the book. Right. And RoboCop, especially, was just very straight edge. He was he was a straight man through and through. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely correct. So this program is called. Citizens on Patrol, as you might have guessed from, you know, the title of the film. Uh, and the short- song at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yes. the theme song, if you were watching. <laughs> yes. Uh, shortened to Cop, C-O-P. And we, we're introduced to this initiative by their, uh, I guess, Captain. Leslie I'm not Nielsen. sure what. It, it's, it's not Neil. It's Dollar Store Leslie no, Nielsen. Yeah, it's, right. it's their Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> it's yes. Nickel Store Leslie Nielsen. Let's be fair. <laughs> Five yes, and dime. that's true. Yeah. No, it's, and he's it's like the spirit Halloween, like. Funny man from airplane comedy costume. (laughs) (laughs) And the gag here is like, oh, people who are in executive positions putt in their offices to practice golf. And this guy's so wacky. He's doing chip shots. (laughs) But you'd have to be the most insane human being on earth. This is back to your point about like, give me a universe because he's just blasting golf balls off the wall in his office and hitting people and things. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it may be an intimidation tactic. It may just be how he <laughs> operates with his officers. Keep him on their toes. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a possibility. Uh, he also uh, hits a golf ball off the wall directly into Bobcat Goldthwait's mouth, which is how I get cannot believe you friggin' made me watch another movie with Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> I heard his voice, and I was like, I... If this wasn't today, I would have texted you and been like, no, shut it down, pick a new one. I don't understand how you wouldn't know that he was in this franchise. Like, isn't this his most notorious role? Yeah. As Zed in the Police Academy film. I don't think about Bobcat that much, to be fair. I'm like, Hercules, Bob's Burgers, and the other one we did. Uh, I I mostly know Bobcat Goldthwait from the cartoon show, like, White House mouse or something like that we talked about this once on a show before and i looked it up but i don't remember but there was a show about mice and rats that lived in the white house and it was i remember those toys yeah yeah it was probably like mildly intelligent political jokes that went over the head of me at age seven or whatever right it's probably it's political cartoon status though it's not like it was like really great jokes 
No, 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 certainly not. It's it's for Saturday morning kids. So uh, that brings up another point that I wanted to talk about with this movie. Who the hell is the intended audience for Police Academy 4? Because it's definitely got at least kind of nudity in it, and it has some violence, but all of the jokes are aimed at, like, six-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, I guess that the, the you just sort of, like, find a middle ground of, like, 12-year-olds, right? Like, this is the movie uh, that you watch because yeah. you can rewind that scene with the nudity in it over and over again, but there's also fart jokes and Michael Winslow doing gun sounds and stuff like that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really yeah. does seem firmly like fifth in the grader boy, boy sleepover movie. Yeah, right. fifth grader yeah. boy sleepover movie. I want to see that wall in the blockbuster, the fictional <laughs> blockbuster that no longer exists. I, I want, I want one wall that's like twelve-year-old girl sleepover movies, and it's like it's like thirteen going on thirty, dirty right. dancing, yeah, dirty dancing, and, yeah. And then on the boy side, it's like this. It's uh, a lot of fours. It's a lot of fours in franchises. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four is probably up there. I would imagine, yeah, yeah. So we cut to the guy, the security guard from Mannequin, and also Sergeant Provenza from The Closer and Major Crimes, <laughs> which most people will know from this movie and not those things. But that's right. okay. Uh, his name is uh... unimportant. Yeah, I'm not certain. No, <laughs> uh, he thinks this is a bad idea, and. For once in a movie we watch where there's like a screwball comedy, the bad guy is right. This is a stupid idea. A terrible idea. <laughs> I think a lot of the time I find myself siding with the snobs in a slobs versus snobs situation, though. Like, Happy Gilmore, I'll watch that and be like, yeah, I mean, Happy's funny, but like, that, that guy's kind of right. Like, he's being an asshole, you know? Yeah, and- yeah. I genuinely couldn't tell you more about Happy Gilmore beyond that he plays golf with Bob Barker. Because <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in ten years. <laughs> yeah, see, we so most of the time when we do slobs v snobs on on the show, it's been like, oh, I'm taking your childhood home away to build a second golf course. So it's easy to be like, oh, that guy just seems like a dick. Uh, right. Here, here, I'm like, no, you shouldn't be having eighty year old women patrol as police people. That's stupid. Although I would let her. <laughs> she is a hoot. I will say, she's the only part of this movie I really enjoy. Not a David Spade fan? I, Street punk I, uh, David Spade? I actually... Slash Tony Hawk? Yeah. yeah the skateboarding really. in this movie is really good. Like, Because it's Tony Hawk. Wait, is it really? Yeah, he was yes. a stunt double, right? For oh, David Spade. I missed They've that. got the same oh. dumb hair and everything. It's, it makes sense. <laughs> that explains why the skateboarding is dope. Because we always, we've done a couple movies. We did BMX Bandits way back, like four years ago, with Nicole Kidman. And the stunt doubles weren't even oh, she was on the show? BMX. Yes, yeah, oh. we had her on from I, Australia. I appeared briefly. <laughs> yes. I'm Nicole uh, Kidman also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she, in that movie, she's a BMX biker, biker, but none of the people in the, none of the stunt doubles were good at BMX biking. So it was just very average, small people riding bikes, which is not very exciting. This, the skateboard's kind of a throwaway and they're pretty dope. Yeah, it was fun. Throw away also in that those characters could have been thrown away from the movie and nothing would have changed about it. What, the skateboarders? They're, they were there. You thought they were <laughs> going to be a plot point. Like, you thought it was going to be a thing. And then, like, no. Well, I was surprised yeah. to see that, that they don't really come back. Like, I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, David Spade probably, like, stuck around until the last film in this franchise. But, no, he he actually had, like, a career to get to. And <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing that none of those people, including the old lady and all the street punks, none of them are coming back. No. no. Well, she was a Although vaudeville I, star. The big guy seems to be in the cartoon. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So he so was, like, I guess he... House or something like that was his last name. Something like that. No, Houseman is the is the big muscle dude. I think. But there's also the fat guy who is a citizen on patrol who is also in the cartoon. Right. Yeah. I. So I I don't know. Have you guys seen the the continuing films in this franchise? Because I feel no. like number five would have had to have been about the ramifications of bringing on all these unqualified people to be <laughs> cops, you know, and just giving them guns and letting them go wild. <laughs> that would be amazing. I honestly don't know. The only other one I remember watching is the one where Police they go to Ac- Moscow. Police Academy 5, the HR nightmare. <laughs> right, exactly. It's a courtroom drama is what I'm thinking, you know. It's like a real hard-hitting... It's 12 Angry Men. Right. <laughs> Meets Inherit the Wind. Oh, and they're all in the room with, like, one guy who's, like, a Henry Fonda type that actually takes it all very seriously, and they're just, like, a bunch of fucking goobers <laughs> doing fart noises and stuff. That would be that a would great be, movie. If, instead of teaching they them put, how to, like, They put shoot. one of those Hannibal Lecter masks on Michael Winslow so he can't make noises during the, <laughs> during the trial. I think that's all he could do, though. You can still hear Hannibal Lecter through that mask. But it wouldn't be... I feel like a lot of that's, like, It'd facial muffled, resonation. I guess. Yeah. Number five is the one where they ship them down to Miami and Steve Gutenberg couldn't make it. Like he was busy filming three men and a baby, which probably paid a lot more. And so <laughs> yeah. he was like, I'll see y'all later. Maybe I'll catch you in police <laughs> Academy six. Other than that, uh, good luck to all of you. Uh, he did not, uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, appear in police Academy six either, because mm-hmm. why would you, if you're Steve Gutenberg, but the only other one I really remember is the one where they go to Russia <laughs> Because even as a as yeah, Police Academy Seven is is uh, assignment Moscow or something like that, and I just mm-hmm. remember being like, even as a as a youngin, I was like, you know, this really is stretching the believability of a of a police academy class. These don't feel like the most qualified candidates for this job. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you could find anyone else to do this. Well, it seems like a lot of eighties, you know, sequels to movies from the eighties at least end up going to Russia. You know, you've got. I don't know, Die Hard. That's a bad example because that was like 2011. But you've got Rocky going there. Probably like yeah. Star Trek probably went to Russia. I don't know. The Gold Girls went to Russia during their show. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, actually, you just mentioned two part four sequels that I also really enjoy. I don't know if they're the best, but... Mm. Uh, Quest for Spock? Tr- yeah. No, Quest for Spock is three. Four is the one with the whales. Oh, I thought that was Quest for Spock. I don't know. My, my Star Trek knowledge is very lacking. Yeah, I, you really only need Star Trek, the one with the whales. That's the it's the right. best movie in the whole bunch. It's the original crew. And uh, Rocky Four is a delight. I mean, it's trash, but it's that, the good kind. Wait, Rocky, no, never mind. I was like, isn't that Creed? And I was like, no, that's Rocky Five. Yeah. <laughs> I think no, that's, that's Rocky actually six. Rocky Six. Oh, Rocky yeah. Six. It might be seven, that, yeah. Because I actually, think there's one through five and then Rocky Balboa and then Creed. So it's you seven. are correct. It is seven. We did that's this insane. exact conversation the once eighth, before. The eighth Rocky will have Russian people in it. They just posted a casting notice for Russian-speaking extras. <laughs> yes, th- there's there's actually a rumor that this is actually going to be Creed's son versus Fighting Drago's Drogo's son. son. Yeah, and if that's wow. the case, we're going to have to do an emergency episode because I, that's incredible. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, as as some of you out there might remember, Creed is the one that made me weep like a baby on a plane. There was alcohol and altitude involved. That's never a good mix. Uh, or you're yeah, crying over. You're crying over Creed. I'm crying over Steel Magnolias. And it yeah. just felt like the most <laughs> iconic version of ourselves. It was two brothers having an ugly cry across a plane aisle. Uh, look, his his mom sent him Creed's shorts to fight in. It was an emotional moment. It was really special. 
Anyway, let's get back to Police Academy 4 because we have to. Uh, Bobcat has to go speak to a group of women at a poetry event to try to convince them to become the aforementioned citizens on patrol. And he gets all weepy listening to some poetry. And so he decides to respond in kind by quoting what sounds like something that was scrawled on a bathroom wall in a middle school. Yep. It ends with farted. I didn't write down anything else. (laughs) It does. We also get... uh... My close friend and trips, Mrs. Futterman from the gr- from Gremlins mm. and Gremlins to the new batch. <laughs> yes. Wait, who who was she in Gremlins? I don't remember that. She was she like the neighbor, the neighborly, the neighbor, the neighbor's wife, the nice. Lady. Oh wow the 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 guy that almost get run gets run over with the snowplow. Yes, right. Exactly. Okay. Yes. His his yes. wife. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of connections here, uh, and then we we cut to. Three of the police academians are related and they're at home having dinner with their parents. And I really love that this movie took the time out to make sure the woman character only eats salad and green beans while everybody else gets to have roast and dessert. She, she, no one mentions food in this scene except for her to be like, can you pass the, the, the salad and can you pass she the says green lettuce? Beans? Yeah. Oh yeah. Lettuce. She specifically yes. says lettuce and it's weird. Yeah. Like, Hey movie. Fuck you. They gave her the pie at the end though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it had a little bit of salvation. That may be a godsend for that actress, though, because they all have to eat, like, disgusting, like, you know, <laughs> four-hour-old steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that turns into the dad and the son trading punches, which is which, just flabbergastingly weird. Which fits in a Mel Brooks airplane clue <laughs> universe. <laughs> right. Like, yes. In right. a world we establish, yeah, sure, that, this- like, that's a crazy family. This was one of those moments where I was watching it and I'm like, oh, is this like a running gag that's been happening for three movies and I don't know? Like later on when he spills the sauce from the sandwich, I'm like, oh, this must be like a running gag because it happens in the cartoon too. Is this punching each other thing like a callback? I, I think that family being wackadoodle is the is the callback. I don't have any memory if it's specifically punching and hitting each other, but it's definitely right. like, oh, we're, we're the crazy family that has this weird relationship with each other for sure. I de- I'm sorry, I couldn't identify those three people later. Like, I was like, the blonde one, I think, is the, like, intense one who teaches people. I don't know who the two dudes are, because they disappeared. I'm watching the scene in the background right now, and it, it seems, it, it gets pretty heated. Like, they're, like, breaking chairs over each other's head and, like, pulling hair out. It's it's pretty bonkers. Yeah, mom pulls hair out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty wackadoodle. Is this where we meet David Spade, right? David Spade shows up as this punk skateboard kid now? Yeah, and his friend was in Money Pit. Oh, yeah! Oh, that's fun. He looks like uh, Henry Winkler, his friend. That's interesting. I'm watching yes! the film in the background as we're, as we're talking about it. <laughs> he does look like a young Henry Winkler. Um, and they do the, the cool skateboarding thing that we talked about a little bit earlier. But it's, it's, I, knowing now that it's Tony Hawk, I, I somehow missed that in, in Wikipedia earlier, um, makes it make so much more sense because obviously it's – Tony Hawk, he's the greatest skateboarder ever, probably, I'm assuming. I don't he's really know anything about video games. <laughs> That's yeah, true. He's, he's the most notable, I'd say. Yeah. And it's very cool 80s skateboarding tricks where, and not to take away, I mean, people do amazing stuff now where they do crazy backflips and spins and stuff, but I kind of have a little bit of love in my heart for these skateboards that weighed like five times as much as a modern skateboard, and they're still getting like big extensions or like holding it out with one hand and then getting it back under their feet. It's, it's pretty dope looking, I, I would say. I, if you just showed me that, I would think we were watching, like, like, oh, that looks like a cool skateboarding movie. What is it? And then it would be like, right. oh, no, no. <laughs> You're very wrong. 
If you yeah, like it's, shred it's it like, to the limit. <laughs> it's definitely like gorilla skateboarding. Like it's it's pretty vert, I guess, if I know my skateboarding terminology from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. They're do, they're doing a lot of like it's kind of like parkour-ish. Yeah, which is which mm-hmm. is weird. I think I think actually this is street skating, although they do a lot of aerial maneuvers, which is not normally street skating, so it's I guess a weird hodgepodge. Hmm. My skating knowledge comes from Clueless, so there's I not hopeless. a half pipe to be seen. There, yeah. and then he's and then he starts skate, skateboarding through a mall, which is kind of amazing and one of those things that you always like wish you Disney could do. World. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I think it might be the Mall of America. Oh, is it? I, I have no idea. I'm saying I think it might be. Right. Where are they supposed to be? I don't know where these films are located. I honestly have is no idea. Is it like idea. any town USA or is it a specific place? They never once mention anything about where they are. It's obviously a big city of some type, but it doesn't say specifically in this movie where the hell they are. It So going back to not watching all four of the movies, it's always interesting to see how these later movies handle being part four of a series because this one kind of makes you have to watch three other movies to understand what's going on beyond like, you know, the plot of this movie is set in motion by only this movie, but all the character relationship stuff, there's no like quick recap of what's going on. It's just all, um, yeah, I I definitely felt like I needed like a recap video. You know, I had to like read the Wikipedia article, which was a pain previously on. Right. And you couldn't do that back in the eighties. There wasn't, I guess you could buy like, uh, you just have to watch the movies, like right. I'm just surprised the movie didn't because I feel like the slasher movie started doing that. They certainly, the, literally, the the reason why Part Four is my favorite Friday the Thirteenth is because it opens with a previously on Jason montage, so you can show it to people without them feeling like we do. At least the, I, I do watching this movie where, and you mentioned before, like this must be a running gag. It's like I don't know anything is going on right now. <laughs> like, right, exactly. So they skateboard through the mall. And uh, we get to the boss from <laughs> the what the hell's that show? The closer that we were talking oh. about before, uh, and and he He's says not the boss, dis- yes, and he says dissecting in a line of dialogue, which has only happened like one other time on the show. I don't remember that. Yeah, he says it real quick that they're, they're they needed they need to start dissecting something like as a plan, mm. not as a frog. Uh, so that's are, are you guys like nice. clipping them for drops? You know, we should, we should, yeah. we should, we should like slowly, slowly get other people to do that for us. That would be good. I would think that if you guys were watching the the reanimator, they would say dissecting. Have you not gotten to that one yet? We, we haven't done reanimator. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, reanimator is is that the, some, is that the like disembodied like re- head one? Yes. Yeah, that movie's fucking great, dude. Like that one, or maybe like if you were watching like Brain Dead or something like that, you know, they would talk about dissecting. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they do in Brain Dead. I I love Brain Dead. I, I uh, there's like a couple of movies, and every year in, uh, in October, I try to check off stuff that I haven't seen. Andrew and I both really like horror movies, and Reanimator is one of those ones that the VHS box scared me so much as a kid that I have mm. this like I'm th- I'm about to be 31 years old, and then part of me <laughs> is like I don't know if you can handle that, and it's obviously it's ridiculous, but I it's like one of these movies that's been on this like secret shelf, and I'm like one day I'll get there, but I'm not quite ready for it emotionally. So right. I know of Reanimator and I've seen clips, but I've never actually watched it because when I was seven, I saw the box and I was like, <laughs> oh no no no, that's not yeah, for this guy. It's very much in the same vein for me as like Evil Dead or Brain Dead or like uh, okay. American Werewolf in London or something. So it's it's goofy and really fun and campy i i love that movie it's great i appreciate that i will i will add that to the list for uh, this halloween season cool so anyway we get this enormous show of force from the police to stop 
what is like four or five skateboarders causing a little bit of a ruckus. It is two. It's two <laughs> skateboarders. It's David Spade and his friend. <laughs> and like they get a bunch of cops to show up and there's a helicopter and the SWAT teams called it. I mean, they go to 11 over two kids being dickheads in a mall, which I can tell you from experience is not how they handle two kids being dickheads in a mall. They just have a rent-a-cop escort you out. That's I've seen it. I've been there. Yeah. Well, but have like, you ever seen dickheads this extreme though? Like they're doing some pretty sick, sick tricks. That is true. This is extreme dickheadery. I will say they weren't doing that in the mall. David Spade was pushed into the judge in oh, the mall. He was. He, was, they, he yeah. wasn't like they weren't like he was just happened to be on a skateboard in the mall, which is a mi- uh, minor minimal minor minimum dick move. Yeah. So they end up leaping over a cop car, which looks kind of awesome, actually. Um, and then <laughs> I the- thought they were going to do the like jump and Dukes of Hazard over the car while the skateboards continued underneath. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really awesome, actually. I don't know if physics makes that possible, but it is a movie. So Yeah, but strings make that possible. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they end up hopping a fence, and the, the, the jerk cop, uh, he gets stuck, of course, and can't get over the top of the fence. Meanwhile, the guy who works at this place that has a giant fence in front of it just casually opens the gate and shuts it. Like it's no big deal. And he sees people stuck on the top of the fence every day. Yeah. I mean, this is the police Academy universe. I'd certainly believe that if they, if they got stuck at the top of fences every day, like I, I could imagine it being Bobcat up there, just like stuck and hanging off like the scruff of his neck or something. Yeah. Or like the back, <laughs> like the back loop of his, of his pants buckle or his right, belt loops. Right. And just like, Rargh! yeah. So then uh, we have the courtroom scene where these two young people get uh, sentenced and David Spade is wearing a really cool tie. I think it's like supposed to be film strips. Oh, it does. It does look like a film strip. Yeah. Do you think that was from David Spade's personal collection? I don't know if David Spade has ever owned a tie. He seems like the guy that goes on the talk show in his sweatpants. Mm, the Adam Sandler, the Adam Sandler crew. Yeah. He is a part of that. I yeah. did, he strikes me as a wacky tie guy. I mean, I will throw shade and say, what talk show has he been on lately? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Does Rob Schneider have a talk show? <laughs> Kevin James. As soon as it happens, on whatever he will be whatever on channel it. aired the man chant, the man show probably right. gave him a talk show. Spike TV actually, is that still yes, around? That's it. Spike TV. <laughs> I'm imagining the Rob Schneider talk show and David Spade is the like Andy on Conan role, but he's just like there in his sweatpants with a bowl of popcorn. And it's like the gag being like, we just can't get him to leave. So he lives here and it's not really uh-huh. a gag. It's just the truth. Like Spade just sleeps on that couch. Yeah. That's, that's the universe good. I'm creating. And yeah. there's gotcha dancers. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Cover is the band leader and like nobody, like sometimes people recognize him like, Oh, that's Adam Zandler's friend. And most of the time you're just like, <laughs> Why does this guy suck so much at guitar? <laughs> Why is he here? This is like a job for yeah. a talented musician. <laughs> yeah, no. We're going to get sued so hard by the, the Sandler crew. Oh, yeah. Well, They're yeah. real litigious. I don't know if you guys have heard the Adam Sandcast. I, I, I have extensively researched his work. Did you do? Uh, did you do? Uh, I did overboard? all of it. Yeah, okay, I did so overboard. you saw overboard. Oh man, we did an episode on that, and it was that. Wait, no, I think it's going overboard. Yeah, it's going overboard. Over, going overboard. overboard, oh, overboard is Goldie Hawn. We, we do yeah. this all the time. Yes, yeah, it was going uh, overboard. Yeah, yeah. That also is a movie that's just a collection of random sketches that someone had in a 
crappy notebook that got coffee spilled on it, uh, much like this. Right. So Goot is like, look, these skateboard kids, don't send them to jail. We need young skateboarding punks on our new Citizens How on Patrol. How old are they supposed to be? That's the question. I mean, I'm are guessing that David Spade is like 32 here. Yeah, he looks very adult. He does not look like a punk kid. Just They put him in like a 3XL t-shirt and baggy shorts. And they're like, he's a kid now, I guess. It's pink. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. It, what, what, what they do with these kids when they like sort of recruit them into the police force when they don't seem to want it instead of going to jail seems like indentured servitude, right? Like it doesn't seem strictly legal. But it's it's almost like the scared straight program, like their cop ride along scared straight thing they do on TV that I don't right. think is a real world thing. It's almost like that. Cops do actually do ride alongs. But like yeah. scared straight style? Like uh, No, this- no, no, no. I don't think that's a thing. But you can ride along with a cop. Yeah. And so the the bad, the evil guy from The Closer and uh, Major Crimes says, like, you could take them into your thing, but keep them out of my precinct. And I was like, how does, how does it, is there, like, one police academy and a bunch of precincts, <laughs> and they, like, show up to audition day and, like, pick their favorite and, like... Dodgeball, they're all lined up against the wall. And yeah. Decide, yeah. <laughs> no, it's paintball, and whoever has the most of one color gets, goes to that precinct. Ah, uh, right, I right. see. So there, the next sequences in this movie is just, oh, it's time to recruit the citizens to be citizens on patrol, which is bizarre because you'd think that, that this way this program would function to be like, hey, come join us and not actively recruiting individual people at places. So they send the one guy to this old folks home where an old man is inexplicably playing harmonica with his nose, like just to be disgusting, I guess. Established yeah. universe, bud. I mean, I think that at this point it was just like the writer is being like, what? What would like dumb babies like? Like what? What kind of psych gag <laughs> can I really put in this that would really make it great for nine year olds? Because dumb babies, I like yeah, that cause, very much. Because like, there's no effort put into that gag at all. It kind of seems like it was improvised by this old man. And nobody was, had like the heart to tell him that's not funny and don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, no that's probably feels right. I, it's probably the in the special skills on his resume. Like can't play harmonica <laughs> with nose, and they were like. Yes. Sure, I guess. Yeah, he saw like a, like a talent show on a cruise ship, and they like recruited him to come to LA. Yes, that You're is the be big kid. Listen, kid, I got start. I'm written for you. You do that no harmonica in Police Academy Four. Oh, that's uh, the dumbest. So but we're here to recruit we... Mrs. Feldman, the old lady who we've talked about a couple times already in this episode. She has a room that is painted like army fatigues, and as soon as they show up, she's immediately packing a bag and like, get me out of this place. I want to go shoot some people. She was like, it's as if she's the woman who gave birth to the uh, gun guy from Tremors. Right. Uh, Bert. <laughs> yes. Bert. Yes. Yeah, she's a real, like, Adam Sandler-style old lady. Like, it, the the whole gag is like, oh, she's old. She's, like, 80, but she's still just, like... Has a blood bloodlust, pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, she, she's I wrote paying later. people in meatballs and whatnot. <laughs> I wrote later, but I'll say it now that I uh, I think she's Miss Piggy. Oh, oh certainly possible. She does. She does like, have a Miss Piggy attitude. Kung fu, driving through a window with a motorcycle, mm-hmm. right? being mm-hmm. a badass. It feels Miss Piggy. Well, that just makes it really sad because that means that Kermit is dead, and that was all like his military stuff in the, in the old folks' home. <laughs> Oh no! See, I think I think there's I think it's hers still. I think he is dead, but it's all hers still. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was how she coped. She went into the military, worked Green up the ranks. Yeah, Green she beret was a, Miss Piggy. <laughs> Green beret, Miss Piggy. 
she's like slipping into a camp with a knife in her teeth and just like <laughs> yeah. executing guys. Yeah. Um, and this is the part of the movie where we start training these people and Sharon Stone inexplicably shows up as a reporter and she's in this movie for like cumulatively six minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I had to kind of wonder, I had to kind of wonder like, was she in the other ones and she was somehow contractually obligated to be here? Or did she choose to be in this film? I don't oh, know. That's a very good question. Let, uh, let me check. I have. The I don't. Wikipedia. I don't believe that that she was in these that frequently. But she shows up while you're checking. She shows up and is you know taking notes and and trying to you know do a story about this thing. Meanwhile, Bobcat Goldthwait is trying to eat the goldfish that the guy who created this program inexplicably carries with him at all times. Yeah, I'm. I don't. I don't. I know what's happening. She was not in any others. Okay. This is her first appearance. <laughs> that, that feels correct. That feels correct. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he catches him trying to eat this goldfish, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's just a, it's a good goldfish you got there. And I just what don't – like, I genuinely don't understand the joke. I also didn't realize he carried it around with him. I just thought he was – I thought it was Bobcats. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, this is – this I think is... I saw it on his desk earlier. Yeah, it's definitely that guy's gag. Oh. It's it's so weird. It feels like anti-comedy or like this is all like super like all like it's going for like being unfunny because it doesn't make any goddamn sense. But no, they're just like this is a straight up like traditional like I don't know. I don't know what dumb what baby it's movie going for. Dumb yeah, baby movie is you were be, correct the first it. time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it is a movie for dumb babies. Absolutely. That is a very good line. Boys. Yes. <laughs> and I will be we will be uh, shamelessly stealing that in the future. I'm sorry to sorry to sorry to tell oh, you that. Oh, go now. ahead. Yeah. Um so like along the lines of dumb babiness, there's a scene where by the way, I finally have a note with his name Harris is the bad guy that that they're Oh, qua- Provenza. Yeah, he ends up like walking into a shower or something. Like he goes into this room and he walks out soaking wet and it's like is is it supposed to be a sauna? Because that's not how saunas no, it's, work. It's sha- it says showers on the door. Uh, okay, but he just walks into a shower inexplicably. Um, but, they also okay. Inter- so there are two indistinguishable old white men with white hair. One of whom seems to be in charge of this police academy. One of whom seems to be above him somehow. And then we have Lieutenant Provenza from Major Crimes beneath them. And I genuinely don't know. I can't tell him apart. I don't know right. who's doing what. I don't know who has what job. I, I guess we just have to, to like look at them and be like, this one's goofy and this one's serious, and that's like the the only distinguishing factor between them. Like they could have swapped roles halfway through the movie. I wouldn't have noticed. I don't think. But like, I feel like what I wish, just like lean into the stupidness and have them wear like giant name tags or like sergeant, commander, or whatever, like giant, like so everyone can read. Right. I, I, I think it's one of those situations where the people who were making this movie were like, oh, everyone knows that a sergeant has three vertical stripes on their left arm and a captain has five or whatever the case may be. And no one actually knows that information. Right. But they just assume that everyone in the audience can just like read the police insignia and be like, oh, it's that guy. Of course. Right. It's, it's assumed familiarity, I think, with this franchise. Like they assume that we've all seen the animated series and the live action TV series and all of the other films and that we know who these people are. They, they definitely needed, like, a recap or for them all to walk into the room and be like, hi, Goots, hi, whatever, hi, Bobcat. Like, yeah, names yes. here. Yes, I'd have IMDb open all the time on this movie. I, I So did I. And the other thing, too, is, like, this is in an era where the movies being able to be watched at home is not that 
like it's starting to be very prevalent, but it's not ubiquitous. So there's a very real possibility that someone walked into this movie not having seen all three previous films, and they're just like, whatever, deal with it, idiot. You shouldn't have come to this. Right. I'm just imagining the modern day approach of, you know, whenever you go see a franchise film, they have like a big long marathon at the theater. Like imagine mm-hmm. that with this series, like you go see seven and they're like, we're playing all seven police Academy films. Get here. It's going to be a 12 hour event. Two days later, that theater shuts down. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the health department condemns it for being detrimental to human existence. Like you're done. I would think enough people would see that ironically. They'd be like, oh, this sounds like my own personal torment. It's like midnight showings <laughs> in the room, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that yeah. every weekend. They go see the, all the Police Academy films. Yeah, I honestly, you would get more out of watching The Room than watching this. This this particular oh, Police yeah. Academy movie is such a train wreck. And uh, uh, along lines we keep bringing up, you know, there's just scenes that go nowhere and do nothing. Right before this, we get out of this scene where we're explaining what this cop program is, what we're doing. The one, the guy Harris is like, hey, this dog can't be here as part of this academy. And so Sharon Stone just offers to take this guy's dog for two weeks as if he's not like a human being with a home. Like the instructors have to live at police academy training too. Like ever. Maybe it's, just, it's like camp counselor rules. <laughs> yeah. Like what are we doing? How is that the universe you're creating? Also, that's not a canine unit dog. No. Yeah. No, no. It's, it's just a German his shepherd. Pet. Right. But it's just his pet that he happened to bring to work that day. It could just be a very loose working environment. Like I just came home yeah. from the department of licensing. Uh, I was getting my plates changed over today and they had like, six pet birds in there and there's just birds Birds? flying i know dude it was the most insane shit i know this is like an insane tangent there's pictures of birds this is much more interesting birds there's birds in the place there's like five or six pet birds a bunch of fucking statues of birds and a cat and i'm like is this a government is there somewhere else that i can go this is horrifying (laughs) was the old woman like i would help you but i have to feed my bird go on a quest to get bird seed and then you had to like go all the way back to your starting town the birds were just chilling like they were making a lot of noise but they weren't they didn't seem to need a lot of attention so like the equivalent of your dmv has just a bunch of birds in it yeah that's that's what it was yeah the department of licensing it it was really uncomfortable (laughs) It was really like, not great. Is the department? So you said you mentioned your your place changes. Like, is the department of licensing also where you go yeah. get your driver's license and stuff? Okay. Yeah, it's it's like it's like the DMV, but there is a DMV okay, okay. also. It's it's like the DMV. Okay. It's similar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I just every state calls those things different, so I was curious. That's insanity. There's just a bunch of birds in there. Yeah. It it was very <sighs> very strange. I I literally don't know how I would handle going into a government office and seeing just a bunch of birds chilling in there with the employees. I I do not have that in my brain. Well, I was I was trying not to crack up about it because I was like tweeting about it and like making jokes and taking pictures of the statues and stuff. And when they handed me my license plate, I know this is going to sound like bullshit. The first three letters are B I R and then a three. And I'm like, are they like fucking with me? What is happening right? Do they have like a bird obsession? This is like a novelty plate. What is going on? That very is strange. Bananas. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely bananas. Um, oh man. So Police Academy Four. You yeah. Talk yeah. about the pool scene. The pool. Yes. Oh. Please take it away. Oh man. I don't know, man. I watched this movie several <laughs> weeks ago. There's like this thing where they're like training people on like a like a stationary elliptical bike kind of in front of a pool, and one of them gets on the bike and he like starts like revving it real fast, and then it comes like unhinged from the thing that's planting it on the ground, and he's like 
riding his bike at the bottom of the pool. Like it's, it's it's very strange. And then Bobcat Goldthwaite sticks his face in the pool to yell at him and be like, "Why are you in the pool with your bicycle?" And right. like, like as if he can hear him, he turns around and gives him like a like a I don't know what he does a thumbs up or whatever. It's kind of like he didn't notice that he was in the pool. Yeah, like <laughs> what are it's we doing here? So dumb. And, like, so we also get – this is where we have the very stern uh, blonde instructor woman. And I was like, I, she's – I feel like they needed to do something that was like, oh, like, she doesn't re- – like, hello, nurse. Like, she doesn't try to be sexy. She just inherently is. She just, like, happens to be wearing crop tops or whatever. Like, but also right. is the stern policewoman. It just felt like a weird – a weird thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, this whole movie is a weird thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And, of course, she has a wet T-shirt, and they're like, all right, who, who wants to save me? And, of course, all the men go, like, leaping into the pool with all their clothes on and right. whatnot. Um, Terrifying. Sounds like a nightmare to be a, a woman in a pool and have 30, like, out of shape, like, weird men jumping in <laughs> to try and save you. Yeah, it is really, like, the misfit collection that, that uh, mm-hmm. is in this movie. Like, every even the actual police academians, not just the citizens on patrol, but they're all, like, it's the island of misfit toys, right? Bobcat <laughs> Goldthwait has that voice that isn't even his real voice. Like, he got trapped in a prison of his own creation and had to be <laughs> that guy for a decade. Yeah. He's, he's a good director now. I've seen several things he's made and you see him in interviews and he's just a dude. And so he was having to do that. I just imagine him going home at night from filming this and just like weeping in his bathtub with a bottle of wine. Like, what have I wrought? What have I wrought? (laughs) I I like stuck in it. I like to think that like he showed up to the audition for Hercules and he was like, Hey guys, Bobcat Goldthwait here. And they're like, do the voice. He's like, Oh, I guess I'm going to be in this movie. I'm a devil or something. All right, let's do it. And it's like, Oh, this is a a fucking nightmare that he's like, you're right. That was his career for like a long time having to do that. That was a pretty good Bobcat Goldthwait, by the way. Yeah. Uh, That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. I was impressed. Um, I've also, seen Hercules so many times. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, it's streaming on Netflix now. It's impossible not to turn it on. Uh, um, he starts a relationship with, I don't remember the character's name, but the actress is Julia Montgomery, who also was trapped in a prison of her own creation. She played Booger's girlfriend in Revenge of the Nerds, which, oh, led, to, no. which led to ultimately Revenge of the Nerds 4. This is the one where Booger gets married. And so that's, it's like Revenge of the Nerds, Booger's wedding, and it's her and Booger getting married. Oh, my God. And so her, her whole career was being the girlfriend to the absolute weirdos in these movies. Because Bobcat is the booger of this franchise, you know, yes. the, in, in Revenge of the Nerds terms. They're absolutely playing the same, like, role. And she was the, the girlfriend and then wife of the same character in two different <laughs> franchises. Like, what a life. I yeah. thought for sure that – because she's always taking pictures. Yeah. If we're thinking about the- – and I was like, oh, these are going to be Chekhov's pictures. Like, at some point, they're going to be like, uh, oh, the guy from Major Crimes did a thing. And he's going to be like, I never did anything. And she's going to be like, I'm the mousy girl with a camera. And, like, save the day. But, no. Yeah. No. No, she just takes pictures for funsies. And you don't even get, at the end of the movie, like, a montage of pictures. Yes. Uh, so, more hijinks. We swap out uh, Harris's deodorant for Mace so that when he sprays his armpits, actual smoke comes out of them. 
he would have been screaming and crying on the ground with like bright red eyes if he sprayed it that close to his face. Yes, and also the cartoon episode of this franchise that we watch has more internal logic than this movie. How is that possible? <laughs> Cuz children's shows, I guess. I mean, look at Gem. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's fair. I mean, I guess that like cartoons have time to flesh out characters. They obviously didn't, but like we people spent hours and hours with those characters, so obviously they would have a defined you know, you bring in new voice actors to, like, sort of decide what it's going to be here. These people were so, like, stuck in their ways, kind of. They're like, this is number four. I don't have to give a shit anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit in this whole movie. Not one person is here for anything other than a paycheck. That's what I feel like the ideal for, like, uh, like the parody number four movie would have all those actors who just show up for a paycheck at this point. It'd be like, Christopher Walken, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Uh, so we have a dance party with Michael Winslow for no reason at all. Well, the, <laughs> she's doing like aerobics and the, there's no tape. So he has to pretend to be the tape. Yeah. Like I get like he's another one of the misfit toys or like, could you imagine like he must've cut his teeth as like a stand up or something. Right. But like, can you imagine the contrived jokes that he must've been writing in order to work in the fact that he could make like machine gun noises with his mouth? Well, no, um, there's a comedian today who does similar stuff. Not, just, like, to the same level. Just random car alarm no, noises? he, like, uh, what's is his name? Jeff Dunham? Who is this? No, Gabriel Iglesias. Oh, sure. He's, okay. He's, like, able to make a couple sounds. So, like, why is he telling stories? He'll be like, and then we get out of the car. Or whatever the hell. Yeah, but Michael Winslow is just all noises. How yeah. much of this movie is his noise? Is actually his noises? I mean, does I was he have wondering any dialogue? Does he speak human well, <laughs> English words? <laughs> he does a couple times. Very okay. few actual words. It's mostly like a noise. But you're right. Th- some of these noises can't possibly be him, right? Like, so I, I imagine the first one was like all him, and then they were like, just keep whatever, move your mouth, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cover it in post. Don't worry about it. Right. He figured it out. Post, he figured buddy. out. He figured out that it looks like he's making car noises when he says like apples and peanut butter, apples and peanut butter. Yeah. So that's what he's doing on set. <laughs> he just went to a drag queen. It was like, how do I lip sync this? And they were like, you know, this probably. <laughs> While this is happening, the big guy sits down on a bench opposite the very small person who's in this movie and, of course, launches him into space because he, who are we and what are we doing here? He gets launched before he even sits down. They pulled him, like, a second too early. Now, are you talking about Sweet Chuck? Yes. He's the small yes. guy. Okay. He is yes. the yeah, protagonist, that's his name, apparently, of the animated series from what I've seen. At least the episode that we watched. Yes. Is, yeah. It's all about Sweet Chuck, yeah. And then we get some more high... It's just this... There's The middle chunk of this movie is just... Three minutes of hijinks that changes, that just slightly switches who and what is involved. So we get the dance party, and then we have a scene where the guy is giving, Harris is giving a tutorial on how to put an oxygen mask on someone. So they swap it out for a helium tank. and Which feels like some kind of crime. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's kind of poisoning, I guess. That's right, like, is it poisoning? Yeah. Well, by the uh, by, the middle chunk of the movie, do you mean the middle hour and twenty five out of hour and twenty seven <laughs> minutes? Because it's all it's all hijinks. There's some credits, I guess, where there's no hijinks happening. There's a song feel- where there's no hijinks happening. <laughs> okay, you're you're you are correct. I feel like the first like twenty minutes or so is hijinks centered around, hey, we're gonna start this initiative, and this then the internship. middle. 
Yeah, and then the middle 25 is just a random collection of scenes that got cut from the first three Police Academy movies that they were right. like, I don't know, we got to get to 100 pages in order to sell this script. So You, you can see their hairs changing lengths because they were shot three years apart. <laughs> yes, exactly. They were just like, just put these in here and it'll be fine and we'll just get on with it. It's a Police Academy. <laughs> it's the fourth Police Academy. Who is this for? I don't know if you know, but... But uh, Anchorman actually has an entire film that they made out of deleted scenes. Really? I'm I'm not talking about Anchorman 2. Yeah, it's called Wake Up Ron (laughs) Burgundy. Um, It's incredible. That's crazy. I heard legendarily those Apatow movies just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And so there's just uh, gobs and gobs of footage. So that's not surprising. But I did not know that that they had actually done it. But I've I've heard it's just hours and hours of footage on every one of those movies. Um. The cool guys get get yelled at a bunch, uh, and then yeah, it's it feels like someone was like, "Oh well, we have to establish that we're going to establish that they're the bad boys, and then they're going to come around and be great cops." Yeah, and then they forgot to write that. Well, right. the other thing too would have been like, "Oh, we need someone to use a skateboard to to catch the bad guy," like some contrived situation, which would be that like you know check off skateboard, right? Like that's what right. I was expecting this to end with oh my God, it's a bank robbery and they're running down these alleys and our cars can't get after him. And then David Spade's like, I got you. And he starts like, you know, Tony Hawk and Marty McFlying. The- yeah. yeah. Jum- like- jumps off the top of a building and does like a, a triple whatever. Mick, Mick, uh, what's that? Mick Flurry. Mick Flip or something. Yeah. Triple Mick Flurry. <laughs> <laughs> the triple Lindy from, uh, from back to school. <laughs> but yeah. yeah but like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You would think that there would be like something that the grandma can do that nobody else can do, but no, that's not really yes. an element of this film. Yeah. Or like, so at the end, the bigger guy who also shows up in the cartoon series ends up jumping into the river to save someone. But what would have made that really cool was if he was a f- earlier. And then like, oh, there is a yes. girl. Like, oh. That's why he's here. <laughs> so so you're asking for arcs and character development in this film. I think it's too much to ask. <laughs> that's just a line. <laughs> it's just a smattering Set of up dots. Some payoffs. I think you need to have I think you need to have three touch points to make an arc. I think that would just be a line, but I would settle for the line. I would just <laughs> any through line in this movie would be fine with me. My kind of bar. <laughs> right, right. It's like it's like a Pollock painting. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so then they have a really great gag where Harris gets sent to a gay bar and gets hit on. My kind of bar. <laughs> It it solves nothing in the plot. All it is is like, ha aren't gay people unusual? Like, cool, thanks, movie. But also, like, what is when he's he's obviously gonna find out that you didn't send him to a salad right. bar. So what happens when he comes back and is angry? Like, what happens then? <laughs> movie? There's no repercussions for anything. Yeah, that that's not a prank. <laughs> I mean, he he kind of gets assaulted a little bit. I think that that's what they were going for, that he would just be, like, stuck in this situation. And I guess, I mean, they're not allowed to leave when they try and leave. It's a very uncomfortable situation. Like, the definition of gay panic in the 80s. Like, yes, yes. I watched it and I was like, oh, I I get it. Why people would be homophobic and what movies are like, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even, like... It, it was the, like, lightest level of assault they could do between two right. dudes in a movie. He was like, we're going to dance together. We're going to tango. And people, I was like, what? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. Why is yeah, that the no, go-to? This is, this is probably, like, I, I, I mean, we've watched a lot of movies at this point. This is one of the worst depictions of, of gay people in anything that we've watched. 
and it's the shortest. It's less than a minute, <laughs> and it's still really long. shitty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It should have been like a big old drag queen stopping them right, from leaving. Right, right. Yeah, do the scene from Adventures... No one gets Damn off the it, stage without lip syncing. It. it should have been Adventures of Damn it! <laughs> it should have been, yes, the scene from Adventures of Babysitting, but as a drag bar. That would have been fucking spectacular. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, like, loving that idea. <laughs> Nobody gets off the stage without... It's... It's like RuPaul, like yeah. young RuPaul. Yeah. Like, no one gets off the stage without lip syncing to Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> and then... Yeah, that would have been funny, at least. Um, the basketball scene does seem like it's like B-roll that they recorded during lunch break, you know? And they yes. were like, the movie's not long enough. It's only an hour, 18 minutes. Let's just, like, toss this shit in there. Like, I'm not even sure they have coverage. They're just, like, unedited shots of them playing basketball without a lot of jokes in it. You know, yeah, like... It literally looks like Steve Gutenberg went, hey, I can do that thing where I, like, go underneath my leg and, and do a layup. Do you want to shoot that? And they were like, yeah, all right. And then the guy who plays Hightower is, like, legitimately 6'6", and he's like, yeah, I could dunk. And then he dunks, and they got a, they got a breakaway backboard, and they're like, all right, that's a good day, guys. Wrap it up. Everybody, uh... <laughs> they, they dress Bobcat up like Brad from yeah. Goonies. Yeah, I, I did love the part where he dunked on the board and like the ball got stuck in the concrete under him. Though that was a pretty funny gag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I'm a, like there is a couple of gags in the movie that are actually okay. It's just the fact that there's absolutely nothing stringing them together that makes this such a chore. <laughs> right. And then Gutenberg is able to walk over to a construction site with a giant crane, like 15 stories in the air. What is the radius of this crane? <laughs> it's, this crane is at least 12 to 15 stories up. And Gutenberg just goes and whispers to this guy, picks up the radio, and he's like, hey, Silvio, I need some help. And, like, from Silvio's POV, it's like, who are you on my radio? You're not my foreman. I am not going to just <laughs> string up a porta potty for your benefit. But he does. And they lift this guy in a porta potty and apparently are close enough to a baseball stadium that they can just drop him into this baseball game and then lift the top off the porta potty and leave him there mid poop. <laughs> Which has to be a crime. <laughs> like, that is 100% an assault of some well, kind. I mean, it's a bunch of crimes. They didn't get permission for the baseball team to be there either. Right, I, I would say that most of the yeah. the, the pranks in movies like this are probably crimes. Like you don't watch Porky's and you're like, yeah, this is strictly legal, you know. <laughs> but the worst part, these are the crimes. <laughs> right, right. That's what makes it horrible. That like that's the worst part. Yeah, Porky's is at least dumb kids. Right, exactly. Like I'll never watch that movie Let's Be Cops or whatever it's called because it's like, oh, like cops, like people I don't, I don't know it's like people like dressing up like cops and going around like pranking people by pretending to be cops and it's like this is a huge felony yeah this yeah. seems fucked up so they have to play a prank on the cool kids the david spade contingent so they wake them up in the middle of the night and they put them in this creepy alley and then michael winslow does a bunch of fake gunshots and screaming death noises to make them afraid of what's going on and then they put them in the back of the car with the air quotes brother of the guy they just shot who's apparently doing voodoo i guess he's just like saying words yeah but also it's isn't it hightower in a costume yes and then the other one cuts out of the box in a with With a a tiny chainsaw (laughs) yes it is like just so much we talked about this in the the previous episode where we were talking about the prank they set up in the house on sorority row could you imagine not a prank but oh, oh this is super not a prank but also the amount of 
pre-planning that had to go into this, like, okay, we take them to the alley. Then we do fake gunshots. Then we right. put a body in a box and put it in the van. Then we get another guy, dress him up like a voodoo guy, put him in the van. Then dude in the box, tiny chainsaw, cuts his way out. Like, it's so much <laughs> work. Yeah, the, the costuming and props department at this police precinct is really on point. Their theater department is killer. <laughs> <laughs> you should see their mm. version of West Side Story. Oh right. my god. Oh, but Wicked? Oh, perfection. <laughs> I heard they're doing it Book of Mormon. Great. Steve Gutenberg is Elphaba. Elphaba. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I would pay a couple dollars to see that. Yeah, I would I would stream it online for free. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably watch like five minutes and be like, alright, that's that's enough of that. Uh, so we get more swooning with Bobcat Goldthwaite and and uh uh, Laura, then she definitely has a mullet, which you can't tell until she Mousy lets her girl, hair down. I call her. Yeah. Uh, and then they somehow now they do a version of what I said was an acceptable acceptable prank, wherein instead of putting marker around his megaphone so it gets marker around his mouth, they use super glue, which takes it from like dumb but harmless to oh you just you just glued this man's face to a microphone. Megaphone. Except most commercial super glues come off with acetone. <laughs> Well, They're not actually impervious and super glue, like everyone says. Well, yeah, but do you want to pour acetone over your mouth? I don't. Do you want to have a plastic thing on your face? <laughs> I mean, like these. If your options are breathe acetone for a couple minutes or be stuck with a plastic ring on your mouth, I don't like know. Like a Kylie Jenner challenge. He right. Kinda, he he kind of has like the first ever duck face. Maybe he was just ahead of his time. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Then uh, I thought we were about to hear Bobcat Goldthwait sing in the next scene, and I would have killed you. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound good to you, like karaoke? <laughs> I already Wait. hate karaoke. I don't want that. Okay, All right, you guys, okay. if, if he's going to sing a song, what would you <laughs> yes, want to be? exactly yeah. the question, yes. I'm yes. thinking the Pixies, Here Comes Your Man. Oh, all right, all one. right, yeah. Wait, does it does it have to make sense in this movie? No, 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 no. Bob, no, Bob, no. Bobcat okay. in the full Bobcat character is singing a song. What is it going to be? Uh, Rainbow Connection. Good one. That's pretty good. good. One. Just because I f- I feel like it's hard. Like I I can gloss over his the voice with that. <laughs> uh, I I want someday we'll find it. I want a whole new world. Hmm. Both parts? Yes. That would be incredible. Or do you want, like, no. do you it's, want, it's, like it's two Gilbert Gottfried? Yes, exactly. It's Bobcat doing both parts, recorded duet, singing right. with himself. Oh. Mm. I, was going, I was thinking Bobcat and Gilbert Gottfried. Ah, oh, that there would we be go. okay. Which also would be acceptable. Yeah, yeah he was in that <laughs> movie, too, Bo- weirdly. He was. Yeah, yeah. Bobcat and Godfrey sing the Disney love duets. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Kiss the girl. <laughs> I'm not going to go for it, but, you know, tale as old as time. Be pretty yeah, good. You, yeah. You have the best of the three of us. You have to try. <laughs> no, no, no. I did it once and it was good. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to do it again and have it be quit bad. while you're ahead. I, I respect yeah. that. I respect that. Going out on yeah. top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I could do Or, like, I want to be like you. That's not a love song, but just, like, getting a classic Disney one on the, on the record. Right. I, I can right. see that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, okay, minor, we- minor pause. We got yeah. almost as good a version of I Want to Be Like You in that uh, John Favreau directed Jungle Book, which I watched on Netflix recently, where I don't know if you've seen this, but Christopher it's my Walken, least favorite part of the movie. Christopher Walken sings I Want to Be Like You, the King Louis song. So it's like, give me the power of man's red flower. And like yeah. that's the whole thing. It is that, utter insanity in a that really, really expensive fun. movie. Yeah. I, I did I, not. I hate that part. <laughs> 
I, I did not super care for, uh, I mean, I liked Bill Murray in the movie well enough. I didn't care for him singing. It was very like no. lazy sort of, he's like, I'm just Bill Murray. I'm, this is singing I, question mark. What I liked about that though, was it felt natural. It felt like, Oh, this oh. is just a diegetic moment. It's not like a big produced number. It was just like, we're just lazily singing, like floating down the river, singing a song. Sure. But then, cause it, cause, uh, I want to be like you is like the only fully produced number in the, in the movie. Right. Right. Like uh what's her face is an ASMR singing trust in me. That's, that's fair. Yeah. I really just missed, uh, we're your friends. That's like my favorite song from that movie and nobody cares for it apparently. Oh, Cause it didn't yeah. make the cut. The one I... with the, the, the vultures. It's a good song. Oh, it's like a oh, Beatles oh, ripoff was... thing. Yeah. 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 I genuinely was struggling to, to place what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, back to back to the police academy. A much a much worse movie than the new Jungle Book. Um, right. Everybody at the international police meeting where the guy went to now has pet goldfish and are like absolutely in love with this man, which really says a lot about the intelligence of the international community in this movie because this man <laughs> is like we, barely functional. We are getting a really great gag where he'll say something and then all the interpreters have to one by one tell the person. And so the, the, we get this really great delayed ripple reaction to jokes and everything with applause and laughter. Right. So we go back to America after that brief interlude overseas to be like, hey, let's check in with the captain to Mrs. Feldman seeing some illegal activity and calling it in, which is good because I expected her to just start shooting people. I did. I was. I thought she was gonna pull a like Joker in original Batman pistol out of her purse. Yes. Yes. Like her like Mary Poppins purse and just be like, ba bam, ba bam. <laughs> Uh, but it turns out when everyone shows up, she pulls a radio out and tells everybody to come help. And then it turns out, oops, you screwed up a giant uh, multi-year police investigation that was bringing down some sort of smuggling ring selling televisions. I don't know what it was. I thought it was going to be a misunderstanding. Like, right. he's actually, like, don't like it's donation items for the poor or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they're constantly screwing up multi-year police investigations, right? Like, that's like their modus operandi, whatever this police yeah. headquarters is called. Yeah, no, that seems to be all they ever do here. Uh, so the foreign contingent with their goldfish, well, not with their goldfish, but they arrive in the States to see this program that this guy has been talking up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Proctor, the guy who we talked about earlier, spilling stuff on himself he gets tricked by a bunch of people in the jail into playing Simon Says, and then they use that to steal his gun and put him in the jail cell and then break out of jail in front of Harris. And also multiply his gun. Yes. Somehow, Somehow there's, everyone gets a gun. Yes, there's like 30 guns in this jail cell suddenly. <laughs> So Feldman sees all these guys running out of the prison and she's like, oh, my God, there's been a jailbreak. Quick, we have to we have to do this. And then we get our third collection of just mishmash scenes where these guys are so horny to do more crime that the moment they get out of prison, they're immediately robbing banks. They don't even go home to, like, see their their family or or get a get a burrito. It's like, oh, no, no, I, I have to rob a bank right now. Well, burrito would probably be my number one. It's also fantastic because they're all like cartoon characters running out. It's like a cowboy guy and like probably like a samurai, you know. Yes, and... ninjas, literal but ninjas. Thank God, and, and because they're... I wouldn't have been able to tell anyone apart. I was like, <laughs> right. oh, I get it. It's the jets and the sharks. Like, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, and it's good. They're probably all going off to commit crimes based on what they're dressed as, you know. It's pretty video close. Game. I need video game rules, right? <laughs> and like comic book. This is a ninja level. 
Yeah, like everyone looks like this. This is the crime they're committing. It's a pun. <laughs> they could have been setting up for the video game spinoff. I'm certain that that happened at some point with Police I, Academy. Yeah, the the like Super Nintendo. They waited a while. It was like a Super Nintendo game. Right. I mean, it was definitely like Sega. It, it, there's no way this got to Nintendo. Because <laughs> Sega did what Nintendo don't, which meant all of the terrible properties that Nintendo yes. refused to do. Yeah. Although, Sonic. Yeah, Sonic I'll was him, good. I'll give him one. Yeah. I'll give him one. Um, but th- that's where we get Feldman as Miss Piggy. So the, he, the guy runs in to try and stop the bank robbery, points his gun at all of the uh, uh, hostages, and gets caught himself. And so she Miss Piggies her way through the glass window on a motorcycle and just takes them the hell out. Yeah, she does do a lot of damage here. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, but it's so there's the bank robbery and then a bunch of ninjas on a boat that Michael Winslow fights. And then Goot is like, oh, a bunch of these guys are heading to the air show. Quickly, we got to get there. And they decide at an air show where there are airplanes and presumably helicopters. And I don't know, just like a lot of people who drove there in cars. No, no, no. The best way to get out of this is a hot air balloon. You know, the giant multicolored thing that says, here's where I am in the sky. And biplanes. But the bad guys get in the, the balloon first. No, the they, but they get in both. I know, but the biplane at least is like, hey, we're in a plane. I could get away. How do they know how to drive a biplane? It's very simple. It's just one stick. I've seen yeah. Indiana Jones. I could probably <laughs> I, I'm sure it that out. there was a guy who was dressed as like a 1920s aviator that escaped from jail. <laughs> that knew how to do it, you know? <laughs> he was a time he traveler. Scarf. <laughs> the he scarf had the Amelia Earhart flap. Uh-huh. Yeah, the flap helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they there is a actual chase scene in this movie involving biplanes and hot air balloons, which just I like. Did somebody get a tax write off to buy this for their personal collection? Like there right. has to be some story <laughs> behind this because it's bananas. It's the craziest vehicles. Well, this movie had set up so stupid things happening that there's a scene where they're they drive. It's like Bobcat Goldthwait, the nerdy guy, and a third guy. I don't know. Right. And they're like, oh, they're, they're flying. What are we going to do? And he turns and sees a single propeller on the building that is painted like a biplane. And I, he was like, guys, come with me. And I swear to God, I thought they were going to use that propeller on the front of the cop car and make the <laughs> cop car fly. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been an instant recommendation. An instant recommendation. I was, it w- I was it, like, that's what's going to happen. Right. It would have been like that part in RoboCop 3 where like you're like, this movie sucks. And at the end, he's like, fucking jetpack. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> but this movie still sucks. Never so, mind, sorry, movie. I like you again. Yeah. I mean, it. the weird thing is that I, I know so little about this franchise. And it seems like you guys do, too, that if somebody told me every Police Academy movie ends with a chase through the skies in biplanes, I would believe them. Like, yeah, that's something that happens in every, it's just move past it. It happens every time. (laughs) Oh, this is just the classic biplane chase. It's a police academy movie. Right. It's like when Monty Python gets broken up by the cops in the middle of a sketch, you know, it's like just a surreal thing that happens. Uh, So anyway, Steve Gutenberg, Sharon Stone can fly a plane and then Steve Gutenberg jumps off the plane onto another one and then they land in a river and they have to save Captain Harris and then... No, Captain Harris shoots down his... his, Captain Harris's lackey shoots down their own balloon. Right. And then another guy jumps on top of a different balloon that the bad guys are in and then inexplicably there's a rope. fakest... It is the fakest studio shots I've ever seen on a film. (laughs) 
Well, that also it's like extreme close-ups of him waving, like wiggling his body in front of a blue background with a fan in his face, and then like they rub, they like shook one of those gym class parachutes behind him as he like clambered down, but, and it's all very well lit and framed and shot. But there is right. also a stuntman doing this stunt for real, where they like, yes. slid down a balloon. But there's inexplicably a rope that the person is swinging on, like. For some reason, in the logic of this movie, you tie a rope from the basket of your balloon to the top of it? I don't know how hot air balloons work. That's the thing. You could do that. I don't know how they work. That could be accurate. We saw many growing up, okay. but we did not see them up close. Did you guys You guys worked at an air balloon rental place, right? <laughs> no. We wish. We, there was we, just, we lived near a big field before development took over where we grew up. So oh, they were okay. just like, oh, it's a big field. We should launch hot air balloons here. And that's that's what it was. Uh, we also have the expertise of having watched a single episode of MacGyver with a hot air balloon, where MacGyver made the hot yes. air balloon out of just random shit that he found. Nice. Tarps and tar. So, yeah, there's a bunch of, like, hot air balloon and plane-related stunts that you'd think would be cool, but at this point you're just exhausted from having watched Police Academy 4 for 70 minutes that you just want it to be there, over. There's also a huge goof. Did either of you catch it? I don't know. What, what is it's it? It's in a biplane. When uh, Bobcat and the nerdy guy are struggling in the front seat and no one's in the back pilot part. Yeah. It comes, the plane comes on screen just long enough, far enough that you can see there's a pilot in the back of the plane piloting it. And they're just clearly grappling in the front, not doing anything. That's, that's impressive. Good, good catch. Yeah. Did you see that in the IMDb goof section? No, I just needed something to focus on. Yeah, I found myself watching the backgrounds in this movie a lot or looking at my phone uh-huh. or doing anything to not watch this movie. My my favorite thing that I noticed is actually right here as well. So Gutenberg like does a red baron, he climbs up on the wing and then he jumps on the other plane. And then Steve Gutenberg is clearly terrified or the <laughs> stuntman is clearly terrified because the one hand is gripping the pilot, like the cutout where the pilot sits, like white knuckling it. And the other hand is supposed to be pulling a gun. And the, the speed at which he tries to get the gun out and then like cock the thing and put his finger on the trigger. It looks like it's underwater blindfolded. Oh, wow. It's so (laughs) crazy. Like he moves his finger. Like he's, I think what happened is they were like, whatever you do, don't drop the gun because we don't have another gun up there and we have to get this shot. And so he like, he's, he has a death grip on the handle of the gun. Like not how you hold a gun, but just like holding it for dear life. And then very, very slowly extends his index finger into the pistol, like the, the trigger area so that he looks like he's holding it menacingly, but it takes like five times longer than it should for a human being. I wish I noticed that. Yeah. It's, it's real dumb. Was this the part where he jumped off of the biplane onto the hot air balloon? Because that was kind of cool. No, that was really dope. That Steve Gutenberg jumped from one biplane to the other biplane, like into right. the cockpit practically. It seemed like he yeah. was like, you guys, I know I'm an action star. I know I have the potential. You have to get me in there. Come on. I want to be, you know, uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> He's like early Ben Stiller. Right. Bruce Willis's <laughs> brother in the next Die Hard. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and instead he ended up in the big green. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> it's he funny because I, I don't it. know any of Steve Gutenberg's career. Like, I've never seen Three Men and a Baby. I've never seen any of his movies aside from this. This is it. I feel like he did something that always shocks me every time I... Oh, he was he's in the... Um, he's in Can't Stop the Music, the Village People biopic. Oh, wow. And Tower of Terror. I, but that's besides the point. Is that I, a, is that a theme we, park ride? 
Uh, no, the, that is... It's a the, movie based on a theme park ride. Steve right. Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst in the film Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. <laughs> I may have seen Short Circuit at some point. I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb <gasps> now. Yeah. I, I know that I've seen Short I, Circuit too. I don't know if I've seen the first one. I find Steve Gutenberg really fascinating because he was... In the 80s, this everyman sort of romantic comedy lead type... And I just don't understand it. Like he's not—he's not unattractive, right? Like he's not—he's a perfectly fine-looking person. Like he's handsome, I would say. Like in the ballpark of handsome, right? Like he's not the he's most small town eight. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But inexplicably, he had this crazy career as like a really in-demand leading man. He's not that good of an actor, and he's not that good-looking. But right. inexplicably, like just char- he must have been. He must be like one of the most charming people you'll ever meet because clearly I would believe that he was just charming people in the room and getting all these amazing roles. Like we've, we've seen probably three or four Gutenberg movies at this point on the show. Uh, right. It's we did short circuit. We did uh haunted honey, not haunted honeymoon. Yeah. That's what What's, it's called. This movie it, is it, no high spirits, uh, high we, spirits, this right. one. And he's always this like every man charming lead guy, always with an attractive woman like Sharon stone. And then the other one, it was, um, what was, what was the dead woman? Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. That's oh, nice. Always, he's really attractive. Yeah. And it's like, why him? Well, like, we I just <laughs> never understand it. Okay, I'm looking at his IMDb right now. You guys are going to really love this. I want to see Okay. I want to see some of his most recent stuff more than his older stuff. He was in a film, a sci-fi original film, called Lava Lantula, about giant so, spiders, you know, that spit lava. Are, he was also- Oh, they spit lava. Yeah. He was also in the sequel to Lava to Lantula. I'm get ready to have Rich. your mind blown because he co-stars in Two Lava Two Lantula with none other than Mr. Michael Winslow. Holy shit! Really? <laughs> yep, it's a Police Academy reunion <laughs> film. Oh and wow! Did wait, they, his did character Bobcat also appears up? in the fourth Sharknado. Wow, yes, he is awesome. also in Sharknado. Yeah, if you like the Sharknado type bad movies, I tend to not love them as much. Yeah, Lava I don't Lantula like is very bad similar stuff tr- typically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what Lava Lantula is like. But but uh, it's it's the Goot still still getting those leading man roles. They're direct to TV now, but he's still getting them. Nice. So so and rap- he gets and he oh, gets a ahead. hot air balloon, a, a customized hot air balloon, real quick. <laughs> like Amazon Prime immediate. Yes, he, they're like, what happened to the Goot? And he pops out with a Police Academy branded hot air balloon, which maybe is a callback to a previous one. I don't I don't know. It's not like something you could hand out at events. Like, oh, we support our police. And and the final shot of this movie is Gutenberg and Sharon Stone in the basket of this police balloon with champagne that they clink glasses, take a sip of, and then throw glasses and all just out of the basket into the air. Like I want that in my life at one point. Like I want to be that wealthy or whatever that I can just be like, a you know what? Sure, right, right. Yeah, well, that, just like well, glass and all. Right. That's the thing is they land and they're immediately arrested by all of their friends. They're yeah. Like, I'm sorry. We like to party just as much as the next guy. Pranks are fine. <laughs> Littering is not allowed here, sir. Yeah. Like get out of hell. You just threw that all over the countryside, goot. Right. Well, I guess it's the 80s. Though. But people didn't care as much. That's that's yeah, true. Not really. And mercifully, 78 minutes after it's begun, we are out of, of Police Academy 4 forever and always. Um, 88. I, 88? It's 88. Oh, It's okay. 88 minutes. An hour and 22 minutes. Sorry, 88 minutes. Um, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but would either of you recommend this movie? 
No. I kind of want to say yes just to throw out a curveball, but no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's really fucking blows. You can't even commit to that bit. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe I would recommend watching the first one. I may, I may do it just because I'm curious as to what <laughs> it used to be, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with that. It makes I, me want to try the first one. Right. From what I remember, it's all pretty slapsticky. I don't know if there, there's probably more of a plot, like a um, uh, slobs versus snobs type plot in the first one right. than this. But I think it's I think it's pretty similar in that they're like the misfit reject police academy people, and then in the end they save the day. I, I vaguely recall that being the notion because well, like they don't. They don't show you as much of the individual people in this one. They all get like a scene or two. But I remember that woman whose voice is very small and quiet High being tower. a very big part. Right. Was that yeah, Hightower? Yeah. Right. She, no. No. I, no, I don't Hightower know any other dude, names. I, I just know Michael okay. Gutenberg and Bobcat Goldthwait. Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I don't even know that. So. <laughs> I was born in 1994. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, I was born in 92, so I'm not much better. Uh, it's it's totally fine. This movie is garbage. Yeah, um, I would I would say stay stay far away, uh, and 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 don't come back for this one. Sorry, uh, Goots. Uh, Tyler, why don't you tell them where they can find some more of you, and then we'll uh, wrap up with some more about how they can find more of us. Sure. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Future Horse Pod, or you can check out any of my podcasts. Uh, Cynical Cartoons is a show which you guys are going to be on on Valentine's Day, or were on as it were. Um, where we talk about weird Saturday morning cartoons like Police Academy the Series, which we watched an insane <laughs> Valentine's Day themed episode. Check it out. Um, yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah, so uh, so we watch stuff like that, Rubik the Amazing Cube, and Turbo Teen, and all of the schlocky, shitty, campy stuff that is to be had. Uh, Tainami is my podcast, where my co-host has always been a fan of anime, and I have always hated it, and he tries to convince me that it's not all trash. And uh, that's an interesting experiment. And uh, how how is that experiment going? Have you come around at all? I'm curious. I found some of it that wasn't trash. Most of it, okay. Most of it's not does great. He, does he include like Hayao Miyazaki movies or just like shows? Yeah, he he tries to stay away from popular stuff for some reason. And I'm like, that's what is marketable. That's how. That's you, what's gonna yeah, get. That's you. how you get the audience, dude. So we're fucking watching Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, yeah, we, we watch uh, uh, Miyazaki film every year on his birthday. So we just did Porco Rosso this, uh, in January. Okay. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, and then Unfortunate Associates should be coming back any time now. That's uh, my podcast about a series of unfortunate events, which, you know, Netflix. <gasps> oh, you're a fan. I loved those books. Dude, I loved the first series. Dude, you, I'm so excited. You got to come on, man. We talked to Daniel Handler, <gasps> Lemony Snicket last year. Shut the yeah, hell up. Yeah, we interviewed some of the that's people amazing. from the show. It. It's really incredible. That's like my most popular show, but it takes like a, a nine month hiatus between seasons. So I don't push it as yeah, much as the other I, ones. But yeah. I will a hundred percent hop on board that show. If you ever want to guess for that one. Nice. I'll hit you up. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. Check those things out. Cool. Uh, also, you didn't touch on the, the one that made me and Andrew very excited. Uh, you did a cynical cartoons episode fairly recently on the Ronald McDonald cartoons. That I, Andrew I was did. <laughs> a big fan of and i saw Uh many times because he was a big fan of it and And i think it was only one or was two we had space and we had spooky house with the mirror spooky house was the one that we watched yeah yes Uh, yeah yeah keep your left hand on the left wall is just good advice for your whole life everybody if you (laughs) ever if you ever find yourself in a situation you can't handle left hand left wall yeah, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, that one was uh, me and my good podcast buddy Tracy Troush from uh, the Not Joanna Eggs podcast, and uh, yeah, she comes on occasionally. We did Josie and the Pussycats together, and that one, and and lots of stuff. She's super funny, and that was a fun episode. 
Yeah, we I enjoyed listening to that since I had to yeah. sit through it so 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 many. Oh, times. that cartoon was insane, dude. It was crazy. Yes. It, it's yes, bananas. Yes. Yeah. If you want more of our show, you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash dissecting80s, or on Twitter, it's at dissectamania. Don't forget, you can give us a call on the hotline. It's 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T, or uh, over email, dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. We are coming perilously close to our 100th episode, so if you out there have a favorite moment uh, from the first 100 that you would like to see, I'm going to put together like a clip show, I'm thinking. So if you have something out there that you'd like to hear in that or, or, or a moment, uh, please get in touch and, and show it to us. We'd love for people to be involved. And uh, I know my my moment's going to be the uh, Tasty Waves uh, <laughs> Donald Pleasance <laughs> Well, moment. that will certainly be in there. So, but I, I don't want someone else to like submit something <laughs> other than that because that's spoken for. Right. Okay. Right. Don't steal All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and as always, uh, please take the time to rate and review the show. If you do that, we read them on the air so you get to hear your words on this show. Uh, our next episode is coming to you with a continuation of four beer. For Buary, uh, the very, very, very misguided Death Wish 4, which oh, drops on is, is my back? birthday. Um, he, yes, he did five. The original guy did, uh, Charles Bronson did yeah. five Death Wish movies. And this um, is a canon then, film, am I correct? Yes, it awesome. is. And it okay. is really insane, delicious canon film insanity of lots <laughs> of explosions and, and gunfire. Um, tying into the unbelievably bad looking totally tone tone deaf deaf death wish remake with bruce willis where he just slaughters minorities for 90 minutes right yeah lazily probably he probably doesn't put a lot of effort into it (laughs) no he doesn't act he's a he's a lazy bastard right uh but that drops on february 26th tyler thank you so much for joining us on the show yeah thanks for having me you guys it was fun it was and uh real quick my web series, Who the F Are These Guys, is coming back very soon. We have uh, work on the second episode. Uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's Who the F, E-F-F, Are These Guys. Cool. So, thank you all so much for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. I have always been Tyler Marchand. Until February 26th. Don't you forget about me. Oh, that's a sick-ass sign-off, dude. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>